0: Verbally Effective with Ina Esco is an interview style podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, and entertainment with a Memphis focus. Each week, I'm joined by a featured guest with Roots in Memphis. Verbally Effective delves into each guest's personal journey to uncover the incredible stories fueling their purpose, the highs and lows of their pursuits, and how through their passion, they are moving the culture forward. Hey guys, welcome. Welcome to another edition of the Verbally Effective Podcast. I am your host, your double E, Ina Esco. This is the podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, entertainment with a Memphis focus. And we are already here, 2024. And I have an amazing young lady here on the podcast with me. We met a few years back and she is definitely still on the grind. I am talking about the CEO of Camille Lee Photography. What's up Camille Lee? How you doing? <laughs> I am good. Uh, it's been a minute. No, I saw you at the mixer. Yeah. Networking mixer. We keep most running recently. to each other. It's yeah. Like,
1: hey girl. How you doing? Hey girl. Hey. hey. Are you still good? <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. So you good today? I'm good today. I'm a little tired, but you know, we're here. No shoots today. No shoots. I'm winding it down. Um, I'm pretty lax until January. Then it starts hopping again. Oh yeah. But this is the first year I usually take January off because the weather in Memphis is so trash and December <laughs> December, November are like really hard for photographers because everybody needs something last minute. Mm-hmm. They need their family pictures and it's like an influx. So you got family stuff, you've got weddings, it's oh, just you've a been lot. Helping. It's a lot going on in December. And so by the time January gets here, it's like, I don't want to talk to nobody. The weather's trash. So usually I shut down for a month, a month and a half, and I go somewhere else for a couple of weeks. Mm,
0: Sounds like somewhere tropical maybe.
1: Yeah. um, We try to go close to the equator. Somewhere where the sun's going to be out and it's warm. Like, give me a beach. Um, So (laughs) we had a big vacation at the top of the year. But this year and next year, I just told my husband, let's keep it chill because 2026 i got big plans that's the year 2026 it's, it'll be our 10 year uh um, anniversary so i told him i, I want it, to do a month in italy oh yes yeah. yes ma'am so i'm stacking my coins so i can do it exactly how i want you're gonna do it just the way you <laughs> want camille let's start at the
0: beginning where are you originally from memphis what part
1: uh i'm i've been around all over um so started in westwood for about 10 years uh, then we moved to Whitehaven and grew up in Whitehaven. And now, you know, I live in Cordova.
0: Okay. So <laughs> we, we're going stick, to stick with Westwood for a minute. Tell me about growing up in Westwood. And what does your family dynamic look like?
1: Growing up in Westwood was fun. I went to Levi and Coral Lake. Mm-hmm. Really fun. Good years. Uh, believe it or not, I grew up in a trailer park. Okay. Uh, for those first 10 years And you couldn't tell me nothing Like my mama kept mm-hmm. a good house We The trailer park it was nice There were kids around to play with We could run Because we lived all the way in the back of the trailer park mm-hmm. So we would have from the back to the front to play with Go knock on this friend's door We got heels in it to play it, it was just so much freedom uh, yeah. It was like a nice little neighborhood That You know I could ride my bike up and down I can go get the mail at the end of the um, lot I don't know everybody how to explain it Basically, you knew everybody. You knew the guy who was the owner. He was like an Asian guy. You go up there, he got vending machines. And, like, mm-hmm. it was just a whole little thing. Just looking back at it, it was like, wow, that was really different. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even know that, like, I didn't know the difference when I was younger. And I don't I don't see the difference. It was still really nice. Yeah, it sounds like, you know, you had a great upbringing. I, I can't complain. My parents are great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't realize until I got older how fortunate I was to grow up with the kind of parents I did. They're both entrepreneurs. Mm. And I didn't even realize I grew up in that kind of environment where I saw my parents figuring it out, doing it for themselves, doing customer service, kind of, and being good at it. Like, yeah. they didn't have bad, well, I won't say they didn't have bad experience because, you know, you, you deal with people, but they always handled it well and they always did it to the best, the best of their abilities. It was really great. Are
0: you an only child?
1: No. No. <laughs>
0: Tell me about your siblings.
1: I had I just have one. I have my little sister. Um, we have five years, six months in between us, mm-hmm. which is a very difficult gap of time. <laughs> mm-hmm. I always say if you have like five years, it's it makes it really hard to have that kind of age gap because mm-hmm. it's just far enough where it's like, you're you're too young to hang with me and my friends. Mm-hmm. Um so it was it was interesting. We had a tumultuous upbringing, <laughs> like us getting along because my sister was a little spoiled, um, and but we're we're way better now. It took age for us to have a better relationship. And most siblings,
0: you know, when there's that big age gap, because mm-hmm. with my boys, it's a nine year gap. Yeah. So you already know
1: nine isn't not. It's still funny with that because it's almost if he was a if it was a little bit bigger of a gap. Mm-hmm. Uh, your younger son will almost be like, like, like a child to your um your older I son. I wish. Like it was like <laughs> he took him there? on. And, yeah, it's like it's that weird gap. Yeah. It's like he's not. If he was a little, uh, if the gap was a little bit bigger, it was like he took care of him more. So yeah, and I wish as Edward like a that. helper. But that's <laughs> he's in that weird yeah. gap with me where it's like they just it just don't work sometimes. It's like yes. they need to be closer. Or way way further apart for That's them we get it. along better.
0: Yeah, and and I feel like when they become adults, both of them are in that adult bracket. That'd be They'll fine. be closer. Yeah, they'd be fine. Yes, yes. Okay, so tell me
1: what high school you attended. I went to East High School. Okay, East. Yeah, I was supposed to go to White Haven, uh, but there was a recruiter uh, that came from East. And they talked about the health sciences and engineering program. And I got really, really interested because when I was at Lanier, um, I was first chair for flute. So I was like, I'm, I'm going to go to Whitehaven. I'm White going to be in a band. Like I wanted the band life. That was me. But he came and started talking about health sciences. I knew I wanted to be a doctor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to go there. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to the health sciences program. So that's what I did. and. Never looked back. Never looked back. No, well, wow. I liked it. I ended up getting a car earlier because of it. Really? Yeah, we lived in Whitehaven. I went to school with East. Yeah, you needed a I car. I needed a car. So yeah. as soon as I could drive, my daddy was like, oh, here's a car. Drive yourself. Mm-hmm. So it was very interesting. <laughs> very, very. Yeah. Now, you said you played the
0: flute. Yes. Why the flute? That is so interesting to me. <laughs> I don't think I know another flute player. Lizzo.
1: <laughs> Lizzo, yes, yes I can still play too Um, Why did I choose the flute? Okay, so the choices I had I almost went with violin Because mm-hmm. they had a violin program at Lanier Didn't do that And I tried a couple of different instruments I tried the trumpet, didn't like the buzz it gives you I didn't like the clarinet uh, Because of the, the reed I couldn't get down with that So mm-hmm. flutes, I just, I liked it and then it just worked out.
0: Yeah. And look at uh, Andre 3000 and his flute <laughs> bag. Yeah. I used to love this it. Year.
1: We used to get to um, transpose music. Mm-hmm. So we take songs. And if you give us a music book, you can look at the, at the, I forgot all the words now, but you could look at the notes mm-hmm. and then you could know how many to count to transpose it to your instrument. Mm-hmm. So we would get modern songs and then switch them up so we could actually play them. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Now tell
0: me about the first time you ever picked up a camera.
1: I always say I'm not I don't have your traditional photographer story. Okay. Most people will be like, "Oh, my father gave me a camera right. or my grandfather gave me a camera." That wasn't my story. Um I wanted to be a like a a wedding planner slash the person who does decor. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to plan the weddings and also decorate the weddings because My mom used to do a lot of parties, and I would help her decorate the parties. I would do all that stuff, the aesthetic things. And I like doing it. So I was like, I want to do this for other people. And I also want to decorate houses because I just like doing decorating. Funny thing, my sister now does all that stuff. Wow. (laughs) And I don't. Um, So to do that, I was like, okay, so I need a website. And this was like in 2011, 2012. Um, So... I didn't know who to contact to get those pictures. It wasn't as easy as it is now. Or maybe I was just lazy. I don't know. But I decided, I was like, I can do it myself. You know, I'm kind of DIY. I'm handy. So I went on Etsy, bought a $500 camera, um, and just start asking people to take pictures with me. I asked the friend. I was like, hey, do you know anybody who wants to have some pictures taken? I'm kind of practicing. Um, I'll give them the pictures. And I also asked, like, my profile if I could uh, take pictures of her daughter in, like, this tulle skirt I made so she could be a flower girl. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, it was just a learning curve. I taught myself by watching YouTube videos, Mm -hmm. and it just kind of snowballed from there. Did you go down, like, a full rabbit hole in the whole discipline? I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, it just kept snowballing. Um, I ended up putting myself on, what's that Thing. I can't remember it now, where you get the deals. Uh starts with the E.
0: Etsy. Not Etsy.
1: Etsy. Um eBay. No. Are we bidding? Are we what kind of deals are we getting? No, whatever they used to put themselves where you would go and get deals and like I could put my service on there and you could get the deal or the experience. Mm. I forget because I haven't heard about it in so long. They don't do it anymore. They probably do, and I just can't remember the name of it. I keep thinking about like when Tiffany Haddish said she had a movie and she got this riverboat experience with Will Smith, and they got they found the deals on this platform. Um, if you know what I'm I talking know about? what you're talking about. I though. can't think of I what, know it what it ends, you're talking though. about though. But that was one of the things I did. I I um used that platform to advertise my business, and like I would mm-hmm. say, hey, the photo sessions are seventy five dollars, and I would get like maybe thirty dollars out of it for doing this photo session. So. It just kept snowballing and snowballing. I did weddings, and it just compounded and went Was from it there. Was it
0: easy to get the clients initially for the weddings?
1: Because you know, I I I feel like
0: certain people use certain people, and you know, it's based on recommendations. Like, how did you build your clientele initially?
1: Uh, it's been so long, gosh darn. Um, so I know my first wedding client, um. It was she was one of the people who modeled for me to help build my portfolio. So I did her engagement pictures and they liked them so much. They were like, will you do our wedding? I was like, yes. So then I was like, "Okay, (laughs) never do what I did. So (laughs) I gave her a proposal and I proposed to her that I could do her decor and her photos Mm, for a certain amount. It was only like twenty five hundred dollars, <laughs> mm. and I was like, okay, so we're gonna we're gonna uh, set up the decor, and we're gonna break it down at the end of the night, and I'll also do your photos. I don't know how I thought I was gonna do all this <laughs> stuff, and like I came to the meeting and I had a little mock up of what one of the table elements would look like, and I was like, you yeah, do this, do this, and she's like, well, we can just do photo, and I was like, okay, great, and. I'm so glad I never sold that package and never did that. Mm. But, yeah, I did her wedding, I want to say for, like, $1,500. And um, I never recommend anyone to do it like I did it because I did my first wedding without ever second shooting for any other photographer, without assisting, with no experience. Mm. It was just I got my camera. Okay, I've studied. I know what I'm going there and do, and I did it luckily was it hard it was hard but it turned out great like there's still really good pictures like Mm -hmm. really good I was the luckiest son of a gun ever because that does not happen Mm -hmm. the only big faux pas I said that I really did other than that being my first wedding and I never second shot for someone like I said never do what I did Uh, (laughs) uh my line sister Tracy um she was in town and i asked her, i was like hey can you come help me shoot this wedding so she came for the ceremony and i just put a camera in her hands mm. and i told her and i actually put her at the front of the aisle which is where you usually put your main shooter i should have been in the front and i was in the back of the aisle getting people as they come in mm. and it was just it was just interesting because it's it's basically me handing you a camera so they get some pictures you, you had know, to go through it though. You that's had not to go responsible, it. <laughs> but I didn't know those things then. Yeah. Uh, but after that, I started uh, meeting up with other people in the photography community like, hey, can I come help you at a wedding? Can I come second shoot? Because one, I needed to build my portfolio and I needed to learn and I wanted to learn from other people. So mm-hmm. it just snowballed. And then from there, you get recommendations from posting things online. People find you. Mm-hmm. And uh, a big way that I've got and maintained business over the years. Has been from referrals, referrals and word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really big on client experience. Mm-hmm. I tell people that I don't believe that anything about planning a wedding and taking pictures has to be complicated or hard, especially when you have communication. Yeah, like that's really important. I, I tell my clients I'm like, if you want to work with me, I need you to be honest with me. I need you to be open with me. Like no one has no one has ill intentions, um, and I don't have thin skin. So if you have a thought, just tell me. We'll work it out. I'll tell you if we can do it, the pros and cons. Mm-hmm. And we'll go from there. If yes. I can't do it or won't do it, I will let you know. And
0: weddings are your forte, your expertise, your your fave. Is that
1: correct? Yes. I also really love uh, branding photos. Mm-hmm. So I say I go back and forth between weddings and branding. And branding stretches into, like, commercial work. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where I go back and forth. And I dibble and dabble. Some in studio creative work is what I'm trying to do. But mm-hmm. most people know me for weddings. And they're like, you do weddings? Oh, I do. You- They'll ask, um, I know you only do weddings, but can you do this? I'm like, I can I can do other things, but these are the things I like to kinda stay in. So yeah.
0: and how would you describe your
1: style, Camille? My style is definitely clean, mm-hmm. um, vibrant and fun and portrait. Mm-hmm. Like I'm very much a portrait shooter for sure. Yeah. You
0: have some beautiful photos. Thank like- you. Like, the aesthetics is just like you said clean just elegant like you know I don't know it it just sticks out to me when I see your photos versus maybe a few others right (laughs) (laughs) that may have your your I guess traditional typical type looks do you like to take risks when you shoot
1: no uh (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a risk taker per se I I okay I say I'm a type B with type A tendencies. Okay. So I'm chill, but I can have a takeover spirit when it comes to, okay, let's let's do this and do this right. Mm-hmm. So I firmly believe in like having a plan, doing logistics. I make it look like I'm just like, but no, I thought this out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I want to, it's because weddings are so much for production sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, You have to just be a little regimented and manage it. And that's mm-hmm. just my personality too. I'm not a creative type, even though I do this creative work planner. Yeah. I'm very much so a planner. And I I always tell people, I've always felt like, uh, that I'm not a creative, but I am. It's the weirdest thing I am, but I always (laughs) feel like I'm the more logical. I'm not a person that just, Oh, I breathe art. And then Mm -hmm. I have to work for it. Mm -hmm. I have to prep. I have to think about things and maybe I think about it a little too much, But that's just how I come at it. And I have to work a little bit harder to emote those things or to play or to just improvise. Like it doesn't really come natural to me. Wow, interesting.
0: (laughs) Now, you've been in this field where you've had this business for how long now?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, We're coming up on 12 years. 12 years. So we're at the end of the year about to start. It's about to be 12 years.
0: Wow. (laughs) Tell me about um, your experience with the Greenhouse
1: Beauty Lounge. Greenhouse Mm -hmm. Beauty Lounge. Greenhouse Beauty Lounge has been a blessing. It has been a learning curve. It has really opened doors and introduced me to a ton of different people that I never would have met or maybe would have taken a lot longer to meet. But it's definitely, I feel like it's been like college because I've had roommates, I've had sweetmates. mates, we've grown up together, we've done business together, we've done a lot. So it's it's definitely taught me some lessons, taught me how I want to continue to do things and things I don't want to do. So it's definitely helped me grow up because when I went to college, I was still at home. So I wasn't, you know, around dorm mates, suite mates. I never had to share a space per se. So it's definitely taught me a lot of things and it's birthed some beautiful work. Anytime people come into Greenhouse, we get a couple of different reactions. <laughs> um, every A lot of people have like a sense of calm that will come over them and like, oh my God, this is so nice. When we first opened it, it was a big joke that people would come into Greenhouse and you couldn't come into Greenhouse without crying mm-hmm. because they would feel so open and so vulnerable mm-hmm. um, between like the design and the plants and the atmosphere that we provide. Mm-hmm. And then when you go to the back to the photo session, they'd be like, "Oh my God, this looks like a hotel!" Wow. So, it 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 was it's been a beautiful thing.
0: Yes, and you know what I love about you, Camille? You are giving back, passing the torch, building community. Um, Why is that so important to you?
1: (sighs) You know, I never not never thought, but I don't think about it often. But I want to say that when I first started off, it was a little discouraging. Trying to reach out for help. Uh there was someone that I really, really looked up to. And I sent this really, I thought it was a great email. Uh <laughs> I sent a great email. I was like, hey, my name is such and such. Da-da-da. I really love your work. Um, I, I attached some of my photos that I've been doing. And I said, hey, I would love to, you know, mentor under you. I don't know if that costs money or if you take on interns, I would carry bags, da-da-da. And I never heard anything back from this person ever ever, and you weren't expecting that no, I didn't, and I did that to a couple of different people, and I got the same no response mm. and it was really it was really disheartening, and I want to say when I started there was there was a little bit of that like people didn't want to tell you what was going on, mm-hmm. they didn't really want to help you, so when I found people that would take me under my wing, like I respected that, and I was so grateful for what um. They gave to me. So I always said that if I was ever so fortunate to be able to help others, that I would. And I'm not Mm -hmm. trying to gatekeep anything because you're not going to do it like me and I'm not going to do it like you. But, like, help other people. And I know in the future I want to do something with kids, especially in Memphis, to give them a different option to tell you that there's something else. There's different there's different things you can do. You don't mm-hmm. have to just stay in your same environment. And I know the things around you might seem bleak or like, I just know this world. There's other options. Yeah. Like once you travel or once you get a different perspective, I think that you can really open those doors and change people's minds. So yes. I've always liked that. Wow.
0: Well, Camille Lee, we are going to take a short break. All right. But when we come back, we're going to jump into Esco's pop talk because I hear you're a member of the Beehive. Okay, okay, (laughs) Beehive. And we're going to talk about some Spitfire questions as well. Hold on, guys. We'll be right back with the amazing photographer queen, CEO of Camille Lee Photography. Camille Lee. We'll be right back. Verbally effective. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the Verbally Effective podcast with your double E, Ina Esco, and the CEO of Camille Lee Photography in the building, Camille, let's get into the logistics, the the teamwork involved um in putting shoots together. Uh what have been some of your most memorable?
1: Oh gosh. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Everything has a story and logistics and teamwork is or my favorite thing is because if you do good teamwork and logistics, like whatever you're doing or um whatever you're trying to execute it's it's going to be great. You just have to communicate with each other. So, um as far as like you said what are the favorite things that What have been your most
0: memorable? Cuz you've shown me quite a few shoots um and a few reels off of social media from your experiences that you've had um the
1: Atlanta experience, yes. the Utah experience. Yes. Let's talk about Atlanta. Atlanta was a whirlwind. Uh, we planned for it, and we knew it was going to be a quick execution and turnaround. Uh, but then life threw us crazy plans. Um, <laughs> all of our flights except one person, they were all pushed to the back. And it taught us to maybe give us ourselves a little more time. <laughs> yeah. But the plan was just to go to Atlanta for about 48 hours and do a quick shoot, like a turn and burn, because we have a great team. We already knew we are going to go in, execute, roll out. Um our flights had different plans. So we ended up getting to Atlanta around like eight o'clock and we were supposed to be there like around ten. Uh, the plan was to arrive, go to the showroom, find clothes for our model, and then based on the clothes, we would decide her hair and makeup. Mm-hmm. Since our flights relate, mm-hmm. um and we were supposed to shoot the next day, that didn't work. So what happened was we got to Atlanta. Um, our hairstylist D, Rochelle, made the decision to go ahead and do her hair a certain way. They start prepping, they start doing her hair. Kimberly gave her a um, start off with like you know regular base, get the makeup, the face prepped, and then we went to the showroom <laughs> to yeah. find out what she was gonna wear okay. the day of the shoot, hours before the shoot. Wow! So, once we found out what she was gonna wear, uh, Kimberly finished off her makeup look. We quickly ran to the local mall to get jewelry and accessories to complement the looks that we had and then went to our three different locations. So it was not expected. (laughs) But the one saving grace that I knew that was going to help and save the shoot was because we had an amazing team. Everyone excelled at what they did Mm -hmm. and they did it well. Like the way... Why I'm so comfortable in doing logistics is because I know who to bring in for the team. Mm-hmm. So if you bring in the person who knows how to do hair, knows how to do makeup, the stylist, and you let them work in their element and let them handle it how they know they can, you can't fail. So you just have to let people do their jobs. Yes. And roll with it. Wow. So that was
0: 48 hours.
1: It was 48 hours, Yeah. But you got her done. We got it done.
0: We <laughs> got it done. We got it done. Wow. And that was a beautiful shoot. Thank that you. was amazing. We loved it. Yes. It uh, was great artistically teamwork. satisfying. Yes. <laughs> and when you think about the entire photography space, uh, let's talk about the type of money that you can make in mm. this world. On
1: average, what does that look like? Everybody's different. Like you can make so much money um i like to think that it's not hard to make money you just have to have an idea you have to have uh some sweat equity and then you can get stuff done like an idea will make you money Mm -hmm. but you have to be able to execute um and put those things into place so there really isn't a limit the people that i look up to and admire Mm -hmm. i've done an estimate on a low ball like if i take their lowest package and they told me they book x amount of weddings per year people making close to five hundred thousand dollars on the low end that's an estimate that's not including they've done this shoot over here or they've done this gig that's just like i've done this amount of weddings and my lowest package is this yeah so wow. you can make what you want to make it it's your business so
0: who is someone that you look up to in this industry
1: i have so many people i look up to <laughs> um oh gosh um so katie mary is a photographer. I look, are we talking just photographers?
0: That's fine, yeah.
1: Okay, just photographers. <laughs> uh, Katie Mary. Um, I love Reem. He's awesome. Uh, Joshua Darwin is great. And those are just a couple. I, lo- mm-hmm. I look up to so many different photographers. I have friends in Atlanta that I uh, talk to now and then that are amazing. Uh, I look up to them. I look up to local artists here. Uh, but those are like the three big, big ones that I look up to. Oh, and um, darn, I can't think of her name right now. I'm not going to say it. But, yeah, I have so many people I look up to. The list is long. Yes, I bet it is.
0: And just thinking about 365-day uh, calendar year, um, and, and, and I know that has – It's uh, ups and downs depending on weather, depending on, you know, just activities for that month. What does a typical year look like for you? When are you when are you your busiest? When are you your slowest?
1: How does that look? Oh, gosh, you kind of have to you have to set your year up how you want to, because typically I don't like to work in January this year. I'm going to work in January, but you have to know your ebbs and flows and when you need to say no Mm -hmm. and when you can take work, because if you're constantly taking, taking, taking work. You'll be burnt out. That's why I knew at some point in January, half of February, I gotta stop, recoup, get the admin together, so you can be, so you can have better communication and a better client experience for your clients. Because if you're constantly taking on, taking on, yeah. taking on work, you're gonna, you're something's gonna, it's it's gonna, the rubber's gonna meet the road eventually. So typical photographer, I'm gonna say typical wedding photographer because that's what I'm more familiar with. Uh, you have ebbs and flows throughout the year. The first Three months are usually a little slow because it's cold. Uh, a lot of there aren't that that many weddings that are planned in January through March here, uh, but April May they start to kick up quite a bit. Mm. So you can have anywhere from three to seven weddings per month, mm. depending on how you work. Um, people are starting to be a lot more smarter about summer weddings, and me personally, I won't take too many. I know how I sweat and we don't do that. Uh, <laughs> so June, July, August, you might have, well, it depends on the photographer. I typically do one to two at the most per month. I don't want too many summer weddings. It's not comfortable. Uh, but September, it starts to pick up. October is completely bananas. October's bananas. October is a good month to have weddings. It's starting to be the new June because June mm. in Memphis doesn't make sense. It's too hot. Too hot. So October is a more feasible month because it's a little cooler Mm -hmm. and the vegetation still looks good. So you can have an outside wedding. You can be cooler when you take pictures. So October, Mm -hmm. I have some years where I am booked every single weekend, sometimes double and triple uh, because I'm crazy. (laughs) (laughs) So October, you can always count on it as to be a heavy hitter month. Mm -hmm. September is usually pretty heavy. November, half and half. December, Mm -hmm. I usually slow down. Um, and I'll have a couple of weddings, but for my December personally, it picks up because I have, uh, many sessions that I've done for the past three years with Tyron of Ty of o Wells event design. So we've done that in collaboration with greenhouse beauty lounge. And that's been an amazing experience. So that keeps me busy mm-hmm. in November, December for sure. Um, which is no reason why January is like, don't talk to me. Uh, <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, in December, November, You'll see a lot of posts where uh, people are like, please be patient with your photographers. You know, they've got a lot of edits. Mm -hmm. They want to spend time with their family, too, because it is a a very high quantity time. Mm -hmm. And you do. And also another thing about December that I've noticed is that the consumer base wants everything very 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 quickly and they're very very last minute. Turn around. They yeah. they're last minute too. It's like they want quick and their last minute. I'm like, "You can have that, but you got to pay for it." Okay. But you uh, you have someone to contact you on December 1st they're like, "Hey, uh, I need Christmas pictures. Can we do it in 3 days? I need them back like at the end of session." No. <laughs> I mean a little I'm I'm exaggerating just a little yes. bit. But yeah, it you have to have those boundaries and just be prepared and just know that it's yeah. it's going to be a little crazy, so. Wow.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about the podcast, (laughs) Pop the Question. (laughs) Tell me about uh, how this podcast idea was formed and um, what's the premise of it?
1: Okay. So my podcast is called Pop the Question, and it is a podcast that I decided to do with my planner friend Kathleen of Pineapple Processions. We both are very passionate about making sure that we – take care of our couples and that we educate them along the way. Like I've always been really passionate about educating people when it comes to the process, because you have so many couples that'll come in and they'll say, Oh, we've never gotten married before. We have no idea what we're doing. That's totally fine. (laughs) That's why you bring in a team that can help you and that will guide you along the way. So, a, a big reason why I wanted to do the podcast was it's it's a complete bummer for me when it's about a couple of weeks out from the wedding and my couples are like, we just want it over with. I'm like, no, mm. you spent too much money. This is your wedding. <laughs> You're supposed to have fun. What's wrong? Like, why are you not happy? Why do you want your wedding to be over with? And they'll say, it's just too stressful. I didn't know anything about this. My family's stressing me out and Uh, this is happening with this vendor and I didn't know this was going to cost this much. Mm -hmm. And it all came back to education and people just not knowing things. And I found over the 12 years I've been doing this, that when you just educate someone about the process or give them different options, it alleviates some of that stress. Mm -hmm. And also when I was getting married, I was going to the bridal shows. Like I was already in the wedding industry, but I was a bride. So I want to go to the bridal show. Mm -hmm. I want to talk to the vendors and I would go to these shows and I'd be like, this is all fluff. Mm. This isn't helping me. Like, what? I don't want to see a bridal run sh- uh, runway and all this stuff. None of, there was no education. They mm. weren't helping these girls. They were just trying to sell to them blindly and Take wondering why they were having hell as them being clients, but they were uneducated clients. Mm. So they were coming to them unprepared. They were coming to them uneducated. And both of them were having a bad time. The vendor wasn't happy. The bride wasn't happy. The couple wasn't happy. Mm -hmm. And I was like, if they just came to the vendor more educated, they would come with more respect. They would come just more prepared. And I feel like both parties would have a good time. So all that, I was like, let's do a podcast. Isn't that Mm -hmm. a unique idea? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So... We we bit the bullet and went ahead and did it. And we're a little over 18 episodes in. My big goal starting off was like, let me just get to 30. So I can build some consistency, get it under my belt, and we'll learn along the way. Because we actually start talking about it. Was it 2021? I'm not sure. But we talked about it. We recorded a couple of episodes and kind of put it on pause for a while. And then we eventually came back to it and Finally, we're like, let's just launch the thing. Let's just get it out there. So we execute. So we have some accountability. We have to do it. Let's just do it. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where I am right now. We're just doing it. We're figuring out how we want to do it, Mm -hmm. how we want the layout to be, and just going to learn as we go. So
0: love it. Love it. Pop the question podcast. They can check this podcast out on all streaming platforms. Yes. Yes. Definitely. Gotcha. Okay, so let's get into some um, Esco's Pop Talk first. Let's get into Esco's Pop Talk because... Camille, I hear, is a member of the Beehive, a huge Beyonce fan. Am I correct?
1: Yes. I get so nervous when you know, because people always assume <laughs> the Beehive and Beyonce fans like them. feels crazy? No. You're not one of those. I'm not. I ain't about to leave no bees on mm-hmm. people's accounts trying to troll them. But mm-hmm. but you are a huge fan. Yeah, I'm a fan. I'm also not the fan that gets mad if you're not. I get a. I, I raise my eyebrow if you don't like Beyonce. Like why <laughs> you don't like Beyonce? What? Why, why don't how could you, you like not Beyonce? like Beyonce, right? You know, some people just give you some, yeah. some answers. you was like, okay, girl, I, I don't feel like it. Go ahead. That's Have fine. you
0: ever met Beyonce? Yes.
1: When? Where? How? 777. Uh, seven, seven. Seven, That's seven, the only seven. way I remember that. My okay. mom reminds me. Uh, I was in college. Uh, Beyonce was coming to Memphis. And I was like, mama, you want to go? She's like, yeah, I want to go. So at the time, we put on credit cards. They're like $800 a piece for these tickets, which was a lot then. No, Let Uh But... It got us backstage passes, front row, center stage seats. Oh, la la. So we met Beyonce, and it was around the time when she had done, I think, Dangerly in Love, and she had just did Dream Girls. Mm -hmm. So that body was like Mm snatched. It still is, but you know, she had been dieting. But it was so funny when I saw her, I was like, she looks like a doll. Mm -hmm. She was tall, so skinny, like she was so tiny. And she was so nice. Like uh, at the time, I I really liked wearing those, you know, those flower pins that we wear in our hair. And I wore like a golden tan one. And she complimented me backstage like, oh, I really like your flowers doing like this. I was like, oh, thank you so much. And I was so proud of myself. I didn't fan out. Mm -hmm. I treated her like a normal person. I was like, look at me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I had my little moment when she was on the stage. She saw me down the front. She was like oh like, ah. that's Look. what i lost my mind i was like she remembered <laughs> she remembered that she fought wow. i was like girl thank you thank you Beyonce. that is amazing so, so
0: i it's safe like so assume that you've been to the renaissance tour yes i went twice twice
1: i would have went five times if i could have
0: tell me about the first one where where what where did
1: you go first time we went in minneapolis okay um I wasn't the biggest fan of my seats. They were not bad seats. We were really close to the stage like 10 rows up or so. So we had a good view. I got a good footage. Mm-hmm. Uh but I wasn't happy that I couldn't see the center center of the stage because you know Beyoncé does the visuals. So mm-hmm. I couldn't put all of it together. So for that one, and I was just in awe by everything that was going on. Like, I could see behind the stage a little bit. You could see the crew doing her thing. I didn't notice she had a teleprompter up Mm -hmm. there. There's a teleprompter uh, directly in front of her. You can't see it when you're... Sitting at different angles, but because of where I was sitting, she has a teleprompter that helps her with the words. Not that she needs it, but hey, every single word Hello. was up there, and it would pause for her. Mm-hmm. It was so interesting watching how that happened and seeing the behind the stage, seeing the crew work. And with this um, with this tour, mm-hmm. she made it very intentional to make sure that she highlighted her crew members with like how they dressed, so it was really easy to spot them. I just loved watching it. So I was just sitting mostly like in awe watching, like my eyes going back and forth, like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. Okay, okay, all right, I see that. Oh my, And just the visual effects yeah. of everything. So my friends that went with me, they were like, are you okay? They thought I was <laughs> mad or I wasn't having a good time. I was like, yeah, I'm good. And I was like, just looking just around. At I the was enamored by, by it. Side of it. And Is I it felt hard. validated because I saw Oprah went to one of her shows, and she was the same way. She was just. She was like, I was just looking at everything in awe. Like right. I wasn't cheering. I was just looking at this it is like a huge production. It is amazing. Did you go to the show? I have not. <sighs> but but I can <laughs> tell that it takes a lot of moving parts. She a huge team. If you saw the Renaissance film, she said that she had three stages in rotation at one time. So while she was at one show, the other two stages were at the next two shows getting set up. Mm. So that's crazy. And I knew the number at one point of how many people she had. But I want to say it was over 500 people that were involved, mm-hmm. that were on tour with her. And you've got media, you've got the people that sew, you've got the gaff, all the people, the dancers, the, the and makeup and artists, the hairstylists, you've got the legal elect. team that goes with them. And the older I get and the more into production I get, I'm one of those people now that I watch the credits. Because okay. I'm like, oh, my God, I want to see what it takes to put this together because on a small scale I do something similar on a very small scale but just looking at it you're like oh my god they need all these people okay 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 and it kind of helps you see what is needed to put together these great inspiration for you beautiful your beautiful yes
0: so first first uh renaissance show you went to Minneapolis where was the second
1: second one I went to St. Louis and I went with my mom and my sister okay and the second one I'd already seen it Um, I had a different outfit, a better one than I liked my first outfit. Um, (laughs) and so the second one was like a show. I wasn't Mm so, I was still enamored, but I was just enjoying myself for that one. And it was more laid back. So I had to see it first and I was just in awe and then, Oh, I got wow. I wonder
0: what B is bringing in 2024. What you think?
1: I don't know. I never try to assume what Beyonce. I know. I just <laughs> sit back and let myself be wild and enjoy the experience. Yeah.
0: She's going to give you that wild wow factor.
1: I'm just, I'm just excited. Like I, I tell my friends, you have to just have a Beyonce fund. Like, mm-hmm. I need you to have 1500 to $2,000 in a fund to the side at all times mm-hmm. because when it happens, we're going to happen.
0: It just drops. We just have to do it. Look, we were going over, like, a year in review uh, for pop culture on the morning show. And it was like top of the year, maybe the end of Q3, maybe March, Beyonce announced the Renaissance tour. Then she was in Stockholm. Then she came to the States. You know, it was just kind of like every month there was a piece of Beyonce in there.
1: Hold on. I think it was, I know this for a fact, it was top of May, top of um, February. Because my original plan was to go out of the country to go to a Beyonce concert because Mm -hmm. a lot of people were saying that you can get better seats. Mm -hmm. Like you pay $400. You probably got a floor seat, center stage Mm -hmm. versus in the States you paying 800, $1,300, but you might as well go to Barcelona. Well, well, you go to Paris. I want to go to Paris uh, and get a good seat and just have a good experience. But at the time I was out of the country when the tickets dropped Mm -hmm. and I couldn't get the tickets that I wanted to. So I just said, whatever, I guess I'm not going to do it. Because I think they thought I was a bot because of where I was. Mm-hmm. They're like, no, you're not buying a ticket. <laughs> I was so I was so upset. much
0: controversy surrounding the ticketing process as it well. It was. It just, was.
1: Yeah. I almost didn't get one for the states. Cause I was like, I'm not about to wait in no line to do all this stuff. Uh, very stupid of me. I shouldn't have said that. But my sister um, was the one that got my tickets from Minneapolis. She was like, mm-hmm. Minneapolis on sale today. I was like, okay, give me four tickets. And she's like, okay. So my sister got the tickets for me. Um, and that's how I got tickets. Cause I was, I was pretty, I was like, I ain't, I ain't got to go. I ain't about to, you know, wait list and you email me back and all this stuff. I ain't got time for that. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'll try to have more patience later for that. But yeah. But you were happy.
0: I was very happy.
1: Yeah. I'm so happy I went. Yeah. I shouldn't have been so high. Come on, so be high. I think it was the combination of when I was out of the country, I couldn't get the tickets I wanted and then I'm back that's in and we got to do these wait lists. I'm just... Yeah. Yes,
0: And I'm sure Beyonce, just in itself, she's a huge inspiration for, like, she's probably her costumes, her outfits, mm. maybe um, just different scenes you've seen from Renaissance have inspired what you do with your work in photography and with weddings. Mm-hmm. And do you suggest different things based on what you saw at the Renaissance? Have you made any suggestions on a consultation yet?
1: Beyonce inspired things for weddings for consultations. Not yet, but you've got me intrigued. I'm wondering how I can (laughs) introduce that in. I don't know if anything, I think it's just the concerts just gave me more drive for making sure you prep and take Mm -hmm. your time and execute and ask for what you want and what you need Mm -hmm. and don't be afraid to do so. So she inspires me in those ways because, you know, she takes her time and curates it and puts the vision together. So Mm -hmm. I've I've been inspired to do more of that. Like I've already kind of piecing together the vision of what I want to do for like my little play projects for 2024. So Mm -hmm. I'm kind of pondering on that right now.
0: Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing what that looks like. Camille Lee, (laughs) time for some Spitfire questions. Are you ready? Sure. Let's give it a go. All right. First question. Um, Let's see. What has been the most unique location That you've ever shot in. And where has that been?
1: To date? To date. I would say when we went to Utah to do uh, our Salt Flats photo shoot. The location was just beautiful. Um, Out in the middle of nowhere. Which presented its own interesting challenges. But what was crazy about that shoot was I had planned on it being. Because Utah has a rainy season and a dry season. The pictures you saw. They looked like the dry season, but it was supposed to be the rainy season. Mm. Like I was supposed to have water. So the bottom, the ground was supposed to be reflective because it was supposed to be covered in a couple of inches of water. Oh, really? So when we got there and we were driving to scout it out the day before just to see and plot where we're going to be, I was like, it's looking kind of dry out here. Like there were some spots where you would see there were like pools of water out there, but that wasn't where we were shooting. When we got there, I was like, there's no water here what's going on so that was a little bit of a downer but we still had a great shoot the location is still beautiful beautiful. um and i i love it for how the salt looks and the ridges and it just has its own beauty am i a little salty that uh (laughs) that i didn't get the water and the reflectiveness that i wanted a little bit i'm gonna go back and get what i want want because I want both. Um, but, yeah, that has been the most unique location to date. And I'm looking for my couples um, and different people to bring me out to other locations. So, maybe I can update you next time.
0: Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Tell me about favorite photography accessory that you cannot live without.
1: Oh, gosh. I don't know, Ina. No, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Are there a few? There's a few. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. No? I don't know. There's so many. Okay, my current one I have right now, I'm trying it out. It's a Kindly bag. It's a sling. Kindly bag. Yeah, it's from a company called Kindly. It's a sling that you can wear on your front or your back. You can just swing it to the front or back, and you can hold a camera in it, mm-hmm. um, and you can also attach your camera to it as well. Mm-hmm. So you can sling it back to your back, but the camera is still hooked onto to it. So for me, when I'm doing like little simple things like an engagement session, I don't want to bring my big old rolling bag. Mm-hmm. I can just have an extra lens on me at all times and have my camera hooked up. So that off the top of my head, I guess, but I know I'm going <laughs> to regret this later. That's the most recent thing that most I'm loving.
0: Because yeah. you've tried quite a few.
1: I've tried quite a few. I have quite a few.
0: I can imagine. What's your go-to lens for everyday shooting?
1: Uh, I've been favoring an 85 lately just because I love the compression. Okay. I change up every couple of years as far as like what my favorite is. Mm-hmm. Now when I'm shooting weddings I have um, a formula of what I use but like if I could just have my pick and just have one lens on me I prefer 85. The only downside is you kind of have to know how to move with it because it's so tight. Like me sitting right here I can't shoot an 85 right here. I'm too close. I gotta mm-hmm. back up. So you have to make sure you have The room to use it. Girl, I've been learning a lot about
0: lenses, working with Mike Evans. He has quite a few lenses, and, you know, he'll change them out, put them on the cameras, and I'm just, what does that do? You know, (laughs) he was like, oh, we can't shoot with that because you're too close, and, you know, all the things that you guys know, all the things. (laughs) So let's talk about um, what is the most challenging shoot that you've ever had, and why? Most challenging shoot? Uh, For whatever reason.
1: It could have been weather. It could have been a
0: bridezilla.
1: I'll tell you about a wedding that was challenging to do. And I'll say it was challenging because none of the vendors, including myself, were paid. No, Their final balance before they arrived. What? Let's talk about it. And we were all like, did you get paid? Did you get paid? wedding? We did not get paid. So... And in my contract, and in a lot of uh, wedding vendors' contracts, it does say if you don't pay me your final balance, I don't have to go. So we all showed up in good faith because we're not just horrible people. um, And we still performed the wedding. I have a caveat that a lot of my other fellow vendors don't have. In your contract? Well, being a photographer, I can show up and shoot your wedding. But But you you ain't going to get
0: them pictures. Okay, gotcha.
1: You probably won't like, get nothing until you pay me. So with this particular person, I didn't even start the editing process until the payment was made, which was three months after the wedding. No. Yeah. Was this a recent wedding? No, this is years ago. Um oh, wow. This is years ago, uh, that this happened. So that was pretty difficult. And then the day itself was interesting because of um they weren't timely and they weren't really listening, but it made Sense because of the because of how things had gone. Yeah. So it definitely taught me a lot of things. Yeah. But the thing about it is that specific situation you can't really prepare for it. Yeah. So it's like either someone pays, you, but that's the only time that's ever happened. Will it ever happen again? I don't know. But same thing, you still won't get any pictures from me if I show up. So okay, okay, wow. Now if
0: you could f- photograph any celebrity. Who would it be? I kind of feel like it's going to be B, but it may be somebody B else. B is on the list. <laughs> B is
1: B definitely is on, the on the list. So, I have aspirations to do uh production work. Mm-hmm. So, um I really look up, oh, I didn't say this one before. I really look up to ABDM Studios. Mm-hmm. They are uh studio photographers out of Atlanta. They do amazing beautiful work. You've seen their work everywhere. I know you have. And they work with so many different celebrities. And um, I would love to do work like that. And not just because you're working with celebrities like, oh, celebrities. When you work with a team like that, they come in with their people. Mm -hmm. You have your creative director. You have your stylist. You have the vision. You have the budget. Mm -hmm. And so you're able to do so much more. So to answer your question, uh, because I want to do that, I have a little mini list. So it's like Beyonce, Issa Rae, Oprah, Oprah. Uh, Michelle Obama. These might sound a little cliche, but these are the people I want to work with. Um, But yeah, I I have an affinity for powerful women. Mm -hmm. Like I adore powerful women and women who are very confident. Anna Wintour, uh, women who have blazed the path for themselves and they do what they want to do and they try different things. And that's another reason why I feel like I don't technically have, I've never ran into a bridezilla per se, because I, I favor communication I do my best to talk to you to make sure we'll get along to hear what your expectations are of me and to let you know what I can provide. So where some people might think a person is difficult. I may just think she's a boss okay. and she knows what she wants. This is how she wants it done. And these are her expectations. Mm-hmm. And I love working with people who know what they want. I mm-hmm. typically don't like the work with people like, Oh, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Oh my God, I can't decide. I do not like flaky people and people who can't decide. Mm-hmm. So I work better with a boss type yeah, uh, entrepreneur or businesswoman, so mm-hmm. I love working with those kind of people. So anyone that's businesswoman about their stuff—that's
0: probably why you haven't met, you know, too many bronze around here. I just talk to you <laughs> straight. Either <You know>, we <laughs> get along or we don't. We don't have to work together. It's okay. Yeah. So. What's next for Camille Lee Photography?
1: Oh, I am doing my best to break into education. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm doing my best to do like self work on myself. And be a better communicator. So I can have better relationships with my peers. Mm -hmm. I can have better relationships with my clients. So they're comfortable. Uh, But I really want to help people through information. So whatever that looks like via the podcast. Via the fireside chat. uh, Maybe with me doing um, speaking engagements here and there. Mm -hmm. That's where I want to do. Because I know I don't want to retire in photography per se. Like the physical act of it. Cause it's a lot. So Mm -hmm. I would love to have a team that is more so under my direction and handling the day to day and the more physical aspect of it for me to be more like a consultant Mm -hmm. um, in that manner. But I can go off and be the information educator person. So that's kind of what I'm doing. And I have some things that I'm working on that I have now I have a four year timeline on it, but I'll let you know about that. Yeah, have aspirations. Know.
0: I know you do. I know you do, Camille. And, you know, I love your work and, you. you know, what you're doing with building community in the photography space, in the creative space. Um, you know, you do a lot of collaborating, which is great. You like boss women. I do too. <laughs> um, you know, I just wish you the best in everything that you're doing. Any final Thank words you. for the verbally effective audience?
1: Final words um don't be afraid to communicate i'll say that um and you're an excellent communicator thank you yes you are it is taking a lot of practice and i learn every day Mm -hmm. so i would just say well when it comes to like the photography the vendor world uh just make sure you talk to people i've noticed so much that people hold on to frustrations they make themselves physically ill They go and be like, oh, this person don't like me or everybody against me. Like, I don't think that's maybe the case. Have you talked to the person? So I try to do my best to make sure that I communicate with people, people I know and don't know, uh, just to make sure we're all on the same page and we're all being mature adults who want the best for everybody. So talk to people, learn how to communicate with people again instead of just being in your own bubble and assuming things. I think it'll make us all happier
0: yes ma'am well thank you so much Camille for joining oh, me
1: today thank you for having me yes yes and I'm going to uh,
0: check out pop the question podcast I need you guys to check out the pod as well it sounds like she is educating in every way <laughs> in that podcast and also hit her up you getting married uh, are you looking for uh, a photographer for your branding call my girl Camille Lee yes yes,
1: <laughs> yes so when now, are you coming to help when are you you're your branding
0: because uh, I need to.
1: I mean, if you want to play, we can play. Let's
0: play. We Let's should play before my like, birthday. I'm serious. It ain't just
1: a podcast. Let's- I know,
0: I know, I, and it needs to be done. When's your
1: birthday? March 12th. So we need to talk now. Yes, mm-hmm. so when
0: we turn these microphones off. We're going to put a date on
1: it. Okay. I love dates and times. I I love dates and times. I love them. I
0: remember when I first (laughs) met you, we said the same thing. (laughs) But it was my fault. My fault. But, yeah, it's time. I got a lot of things popping right now. so I need to get it together. We can do that.
1: I'm working in January. Okay, You said you was working in
0: January. I am working in January.
1: Lord Jesus, help me. So we're
0: going to work in January. We're going (laughs) to put a date on it. But thank you so much, Camille, for joining me today on the podcast. I know you're inspiring so many women out here.
1: Thank you. And
0: um, the Fireside Chats, you know, like I said, you look like you have a very diverse set of people there and all your different vendors and
1: yeah it just looks so beautiful and different it's fun the city is diverse the city is so diverse it doesn't look one way and america is so diverse so you have to bring in different perspectives so you can understand different things true true
0: well ladies and gentlemen please uh how can everybody follow you and contact you for you know your services.
1: All right. So, everything is Camille Lee. So, uh it's Camille Lee Photo and Camille is C A M I L L E. Lee is L E I G H, not L E E. Uh so Camille Lee Photo on Instagram, camille.com. Um if you want the phone number, 901-210 one seven seven two. That is the business line. I'll get back to you in business hours. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, you can't be up to DMs. I would love for you to send me an inquiry. That's always the best way. Our office manager can get back to you. Otherwise, can't wait to talk.
0: All right. Big shout outs to my girl photographer extraordinaire branding guru I'm talking about (laughs) Camille Lee and thank you all for tuning in yet again to the Verbally Effective podcast make sure you hit that subscribe button on that Ina Esco channel and all social media platforms for Verbally Effective I'll see you guys next week